grab your Bibles and go to Proverbs chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, grab one off the floor around you. Uh, We're going to Proverbs chapter 1 in our Bibles. That's page 527. So we're going to Proverbs chapter 1, 527 in one of our Bibles. I would love to read the entire first chapter. We don't have time to do that. So I'm going to look at the first seven verses and refer to a few of the others. Right up front while you're still flipping there, let me, let me just throw that out there. I'm going to encourage you, read the book of Proverbs, right? We're going to be in this book for the next 10 weeks or so. Uh, and there's no way we're going to even come close to covering all of the, the principles that are unpacked in these, in these pages, right? Uh, there's a lot here. And so I'm going to encourage you just to read a proverb a day, right? If you read a proverb a day, you'll read the whole book of Proverbs in a month, okay? And then do it again, okay? Because um, I'm telling you, you will discover something new every single time, okay? As you're reading it, underline Proverbs that stand out to you. Have a notebook, write them down, put them on a three by five card, uh, carry it with you. Not every proverb is going to speak to you. Not every proverb is going to be this wonderful revelation, but some will be. God will speak to you in some of these. And you want to treasure that. You want to grab that because that's God working on your soul, right? So, so let's engage this thing. I'm encouraging you. Um, don't just show up on Sunday mornings, you know, get the full benefit, right? Open it up during the week and read it. All right, let's take a look at Proverbs chapter one. And we're going to look at verses one through seven. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The word of the Lord. So what's going on in these first seven verses is that Solomon is explaining why he brought this collection together, right? Solomon um, wrote most of the book of Proverbs. He didn't write them all, um, but he did collect them, right? He collected them into a book. And, and what he's saying is, this is why I did it, right? I did it so that we would have this, this um, uh, collection of, of sayings, right? Wise men have meditated on God's word. Wise men have meditated on who God is and what he's done. And, and, and they've, there's an oral tradition of Proverbs and, and I've made some of these Proverbs up, and, but, but God was in that and now I've written them all down and I've collected them. Why? So that people can move into wisdom. That's why it was done. Here's the thing. Everybody, everybody loves wisdom. Wisdom is awesome. Even in our culture, right? There's certain things in the Bible that the Bible says, hey, this is good. And our culture is like, yeah, I don't think so. Wisdom is not one of those. We, we all like wisdom because we like the way it works, right? A wise person makes wise decisions, right? A wise person is a blessing to themselves and they're a blessing to the people around them, right? You want a wise person on your team. You want a wise person in your family. You want a wise person as your advisor, as a friend, right? You want wisdom around you because it helps you make the decisions that move into a life of blessing, right? You can count on them. They are, they are um, a faithful advisor, right? But here's the thing. No one is born wise, right? Everybody who's a parent here knows this from personal experience. Children are not born wise, right? They are crazy, and dumb, right? I mean, that's, you have to teach them. This is not wise, right? You don't eat that. You don't touch that. You don't do that, right? Nobody's born wise and neither were you. So that means we have to go through a process of becoming wise, right? That means that we have to actually grow into wisdom. 
And to grow into wisdom, what, what Solomon is saying in these opening verses is, is that if you're going to grow into wisdom, you don't just grow into wisdom, you have to grow into wisdom in all of our sisters. You have to grow into wisdom in all of these other related character traits that ultimately combine to create wisdom, knowledge, insight, prudence, and discretion. Here's the thing, wisdom doesn't stand alone. It's a confluence of character traits that ultimately allow us to move forward in ways that move us into the life of blessing that help us make wise choices, that help us discern and, 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 and make choices and, and, and the rest of that. So in verse two, take a look. In the Proverbs of Solomon, uh, son of David, king of Israel, I'm giving this to you, why? To know wisdom and instruction and understand words of insight. So let's start with that. The, the first sister of wisdom that we need to understand is knowledge, right? There, there is a knowledge component. In order to be wise, we have to know certain things and we have to grow in that knowledge, right? If you don't know something, then, then you don't have the ability to, to navigate that area, right? And, and, and that's true of, of pretty much any field, right? We know that. If you don't know anything about money, you're going to have a really hard time managing money. If you don't know anything about kids, you're going to have a hard time raising kids. If you don't know anything about family dynamics, you're going to have a hard time being in a family, right? If you, have, if you don't know anything about engineering, don't engineer a bridge. You know what I'm saying? Just don't do it. Don't, don't, don't try to fly a plane if you don't know anything about it, right? Knowledge is necessary, um, for wisdom. But what we, need, what we need to realize is that wisdom isn't knowledge. Just because you know a lot doesn't make you wise. Wisdom knows how to use knowledge. So knowledge is like the raw material. Wisdom is knowing how to use it. Right? I got a friend who owns a, 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 a reclamation business. He takes these weird things, a lot of wood, and, and creates beautiful furniture. So he sees a pile of wood. That's like knowledge. It's the raw material. He knows how to make something beautiful out of it. Right? I would look at it and go, that's interesting. Let's have a bonfire. He would look at it and say, I can attach this and sand this and, and shellac this, and it's going to be beautiful when I'm done. Right? So, so wisdom is taking the raw materials and being able to do something with it, right? So here's the thing. Some people gain a tremendous amount of knowledge, but they have no idea what to do with it, <laughs> right? Uh, these people can be really annoying, honestly, in almost any setting, but they're really deadly in the church. They're really deadly in the church. A person who knows a lot about God, but hasn't been transformed by that knowledge is dangerous, because they'll start talking for God, representing God, acting like an expert on God, and all the while they're doing it out of relationship with God, right? Knowledge of God separate from a heart broken by relationship with God is a dangerous thing. It's a dangerous thing. Um, people that know a lot of theology, that have done a lot of abstract study of God, but they don't really know God, um, are dangerous, Right? So even, even this word know implies relationship. The, the Hebrew word here, to know, is the same word used in, in, in Genesis when it talks about Adam knowing his wife Eve. Right? Do you think he did an abstract study of Eve? Right? Did he become a, a subject expert on Eve? I know all about Eve. I am an expert on Eve. And he came and he even pontificated to Eve about Eve. Right? Um, no, when it says that Adam knew Eve, it meant that he knew her intimately that he loved her, that he, that he um, was moving into relational oneness with her, right? There was no knowledge separate from relationship. To know Eve was to move into relationship with Eve. There is no knowing God without moving into relationship with God. If you think you know about God, but don't know God, you don't know anything because there is no knowledge of God outside of relationship with God. The knowledge of God needs to shape and undo and break our hearts in beautiful ways if it is genuine knowledge of 
God. Because the word itself implies intimate relationship. So it's not just knowing about God, it's actually knowing God. Okay, so, so the first component of wisdom is knowledge, right? And we're talking about knowledge of all of life, but, but specifically we're talking about knowledge of God, right? There, there's a piece there that if we don't know God, we can't become wise. We're going to talk more about that because uh, Solomon drives that home at the end of this little passage. The second thing that we need to grow in is insight. Insight. Uh, at the end of, of verse 1, to know wisdom and instruction, uh, to understand words of insight. Um, there are a lot of words out there. <clears throat> a lot of words. We live in a culture of advice, right? Every time you turn on the TV, it's another talk show giving you advice. Every time you turn on your social media feed, you're getting all kinds of advice, like this is how you're healthy. This is how you have nice skin. This is how you, I don't know, cleanse the toxins, whatever, right? We, we live in a culture of advice. The problem is a lot of it's really bad, right? It's really bad. It sounds really wise, right? There are all kinds of PhDs and big names and even videos that illustrate. And, and of course, if you find it on the internet, it has to be true. And so these people come very authoritatively and say, here's the thing. Wisdom means you have insight. Insight is the ability to cut through the smoke and see the reality, right? It is somebody who knows words of insight. Wisdom means I know it when I hear it, right? There's a sense in which wisdom allows me to say, these are words that are true. This is advice that is good. It's growing in your ability to identify what is in fact godly advice and what's ungodly advice. What kind of advice actually leads to life and what kind of advice actually leads to uh, walking away from, you know, life, walking away from the blessings of God, right? In verse three, he goes on and he says, to receive, I give you these Proverbs, to receive instruction in wise dealing and righteousness, justice and equity. That really struck me, honestly, as I was just thinking about the events of this week and all the conversations that are going on right now. Man, we need this kind of wisdom to have the cultural conversations we're having right now. There's a lot of people out there spouting a lot of things and they don't have words of insight. They have strong opinions. They have anger. They have self-righteousness. What we need are people that have words of insight, words that, that cut to the core of the truth, that cut through the smoke and make things clear, right? And so what he's saying is wisdom is, is partly growing in this ability to, have, to, to understand words of insight. So what that means is not only recognizing it, but putting it into practice. To understand it means not just to see it, but to put it to work in your life, right? So somebody who's growing in wisdom not only sees good advice, but puts that advice into practice, Right? Not only sees it and says, yeah, that's, that's what leads to life, but, but is very quick to say, I understand it, and I'm going to integrate it into my life. So wisdom requires a growth in knowledge. Wisdom requires a growth in, in, in that understanding of words of insight. Um, and we also need to grow in prudence. I love that word, right? I love that word. Take a look at verse 4. To give prudence to the simple. Um, you got to love this one, right? Uh, um, how many of you want to be a prude? <laughs> Nobody, right? I love these Bible words that we hear them and we're like, ah, I don't know. It sounds like it's supposed to be good, but it doesn't sound very attractive, right? Like if you go to a party and, and somebody's like, hey, here's, here's Bob. He's funny. And everyone's like, awesome. We need funny people. And somebody's like, hey, this is Jeremy. He's a great storyteller. Yeah, that's awesome. We love good stories. Hey, this is Steve. He's a prude. <laughs> He's full of prudence. Ah, sounds like he needs X-Lax, right? I mean, it just sounds like, 
um, something that's unpleasant. Nobody wants that guy at the party. You know what I'm saying? Like, what is, what is prudence and, and why is it so awesome? Well, here's the thing. Prudence is, in fact, awesome. Sorry. Um, yeah. Um, it's a character trait. You guys listen to me. It's a character trait you want in your life. It's a character trait you want in your life. Uh, let me just give you a context for it. This word, the Hebrew word for prudence, when it's used outside of Hebrews is often used in a, in a negative sense to describe somebody who is shrewd, cunning, and deceptive. And you're like, that sounds like the opposite of prudence. It kind of is. It's just prudence manifest in a negative, sinful way, right? Um, prudence is, is, that's the word, by the way, that was used of the serpent in the garden in, in Genesis, when it's describing him um, being sly. Um, it, it means cool-headed calculation. It means um, the ability to make strategic choices in complex situations. It, it means being able to see the path amidst all the paths and to shrewdly, calculatedly, carefully maneuver toward life. That's what prudence is. Prudence is the ability in the midst of complexity to continue moving toward the full blessings of life and not to be distracted by, by the, the fakes and, and the counterfeits. Prudence is awesome. We want prudence in our lives. And to grow in wisdom means we need to grow in prudence. We need to grow in this, this character trait, right? At the end, we, verse 4, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Uh, so the final character trait I want to look at is discretion. Um, it's, a, it's another trait that's often undervalued in, in our culture. Discretion um, means, really at the heart of it, means to plot. Um, here it would mean like resourcefulness. The ability to discern what is real and helpful instead of what is distracting. Someone with discretion will often see the flaw or the danger before others or they will see the opportunity that others miss. Now, what's interesting is I love the way it says that, that these Proverbs give knowledge and discretion to the youth. Youth are not always known for their discerning eye, right? They listen to Y98 and think they're listening to the best music ever written, <laughs> right? When my kids were little, um, I used to love to grill, and, and I would grill myself and my wife a filet, and they would get a strip steak. You know Why? Because they didn't know the difference, right? Why would I give them an expensive cut when, when they, they're like, oh, it's all the same to them, right? You need to grow in discernment to know um, what is, in fact, um, good. They, they couldn't tell the difference. Wisdom requires, you guys, that's what this means. Wisdom requires a continual refining of the senses, the, the increasing and ongoing development of being able to discern the difference between what is bad and good and what, between what is good and better. If we're not growing in discernment, you'll consume anything. You'll, you'll be like, oh, that was awesome. And no, it wasn't. That was dog food, right? It, 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 it didn't bring you life. It didn't bring you closer to the fulfillment of life. It just felt good in the moment, right? Discernment allows you to see the difference between what, what just tastes good and what is in fact good. So you following me, right? This is, we need this. We want this because, because when we have discernment, it allows us to, in wisdom, again, move more carefully, more directly toward a life uh, of blessing, right? So what I want you to see is that Solomon is saying is, is that we need to be growing in all of these character traits. We need to be growing in, in all of these things in our lives if we're going to be growing in wisdom, right? Take a look at verses um, uh, five and six. 
where he says, let the wise hear and increase in learning, right? So these are character traits that, that a wise person has, but is, they're, they're increasing more in, in the development of and the experience of. And the one who understands, obtain guidance, right? To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. And I will tell you, some of these proverbs feel like riddles when you read through them. You're going to be like, that makes no sense, right? The way of a man with a woman is like the way of a snake on a rock. What? Right? Here's the thing. I, part of that is cultural, right? Part of it's cultural. These guys are writing in a different culture and they're writing in a different idiom that we're used to. But part of it, honestly, is God's plan. Because what ends up happening is when you come across these things that seem like riddles, you need to stop reading and just think about it. Just sit in it a little while. Unpack it. Think about it. It's like, oh, God, I don't get this one. Pray about it. Because what ends up happening is, is we're, 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 we're a fast food culture, aren't we? And, and, and wisdom doesn't come in fast food packages, right? It doesn't, it doesn't incubate in the microwave, man. It's a slow cooker. And, and so by, by slowing us down and forcing us to pause and to read, that's God working deeply in our souls. So as you're reading through the Proverbs and you come to these things, let it sit, man. Journal about it. Think about it. Pray about it. And let's see, see what God works in you as you just marinate in it. All right, so Solomon in, in this process is laying out the things that we need to grow in. And here's the thing. We're either growing in these character qualities toward wisdom or we're not and we're fools. You're like, Steve, that's not nice. Well, you're going to have to get used to that. Um, the book of Proverbs uh, pretty much calls things the way they are, right? In the book of Proverbs, we're not about making people feel good, right? Uh, we call it straight. Take a look at verses 20 through 22. Because um, I want you to see this, this balance between the, the way different people respond to the call of wisdom, right? Wisdom cries aloud in the streets, verse 20. So, so lady wisdom is being personified here as, as crying out, just, you know, yearning for people to be wise. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance to the city gates, she speaks. How long, O oh simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? See, there's, there are different ways to respond to the challenge of becoming wise. And here's the thing, you are either becoming wise or you are remaining a fool because in the end, there are only three categories in the book of Proverbs. There, there are wise people, there are fools, and there are simple, okay? And wise people are people that have these character traits and are growing in them, right? They, they have been trained in the ways of wisdom and, and they are growing in the ways of wisdom. Fools are people that... Um, absolutely refuse to grow in these areas. They already think they're wise. And because they think they're wise, they don't receive instruction. Because they think they're wise, they don't adjust, they don't, they don't receive, they don't repent, they don't change, they don't do any of that. Why? Because they think they're wise. The simple, the simple are the people um, who are like fools, but they're humble enough to be taught. Here's the thing, we all start out as fools. By God's grace, we become simple. And once we're simple, we're actually on the path to becoming wise. Because being simple simply says, I'm naive, I don't know enough, I don't have enough experience, I know I don't have the wisdom necessary to move in the direction or go where God wants me to go, but I want to and I'm willing to receive instruction in however God wants to give it. I'm teachable. I'm humble. That's the fundamental difference between uh, somebody who is simple 
and somebody who is a fool. Um, now, here's the thing. You may not like this kind of direct talk, but the Proverbs calls it straight, right? It doesn't dance around about, about this very simple truth. Our behavior reveals our character. You may think of yourself as a really kind person, but if you're always mean to the people around you, you are not a really nice person. I don't care how you look at yourself in the mirror. Your behavior reveals your character. And when we're looking at the book of Proverbs, what we're looking at are principles that address how our behavior reflects our character, right? And so what that means is, is if you're somebody who struggles with motivation and procrastination, you have a difficult time getting out of bed by two in the afternoon, um, you're not motivationally challenged, you're lazy. And in fact, the Bible will just call you a sluggard. Now, that's not very pleasant, but it's just calling it like a season, right? A sluggard is somebody who just, motivation is just not there, right? A parent who is more interested in personal comfort than they are with raising their kids. Uh, A parent who can't be bothered to discipline their kids right. Man, the proverb says you're stupid. You're like, I don't even let my kids say that word. That's fine, but just calling it straight, man. A parent who refuses to engage in parenting is stupid. We're going to look at it. It's there, okay? Um, A person, here's the thing, a person who refuses to gain wisdom is a fool. A person who hardens their heart and refuses to grow in wisdom is a fool. Here's the thing. Wise people don't make absolutely right choices every time, but they do have a track record of making good choices and making better choices as they go because they are humble enough to receive input and feedback and and they can be corrected and, 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 and they're humble enough to listen to that correction, right? Wise people are simple people who are growing in the character traits of wisdom. Fools are people who think they're already wise. A fool's choices ultimately lead to behavior, uh, to failure, right? A fool will, will fail and fail and fail, but every time they fail, they're going to find a way to blame something other than themselves. They're always going to find some external reason. Well, it happened this time because of him, and it happened this time because of her, and, and it happened this time. They're always a victim. They're always, you know, and so they're always trying to fix something outside, instead of letting God fix what's inside. We need to be really careful, you guys, really careful. Um, Because a fool always assumes they're wise. And aren't we like that a lot? If we really admit it, we like to kind of feel like we have it all together. We like to feel like we're the ones that have it figured out. We like to feel like we're wise, right? Even if no one else agrees with a fool, they think they have the hidden strand of wisdom in their choices that no one else sees. And they use their short-term success as proof of their wisdom. Did you catch that? They use their short-term success as proof of their wisdom. And that's foolishness, right? There's a saying that says, never count a man lucky until you know the end of his story, right? And that, that applies just as well to, um, to this principle, right? Short-term success doesn't mean long-term wisdom, right? A person can walk into a casino and walk out 600% richer. Does that make it a good long-term wealth management strategy? No, (laughs) right? Short-term success is not evidence of long-term wisdom. But when they walk out of that casino, do they feel wise? Do they feel like I'm the one that had it figured out? So-and-so told me not to come. So-and-so told me this was stupid. So-and-so, but I, I've got it, right? Short-term success. 
In the long run, that person's going to lose much more than they'll win, and they'll find ways of blaming everybody but themselves. A woman who enters into a flirtatious relationship at work, she has a difficult relationship in the home, and she has a hard time finding emotional fulfillment in the home, and, and, and it's too difficult to work through. And so she finds flirtatious outlets online or at the workplace, and they find and, and in these they seem to be both innocent and rewarding, and, and meeting needs and and short-term success seems like long-term wisdom. Like this is how I can navigate this difficult time in my life. This is a way for me to 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 get the emotional support I need. Right? Short-term success is not long-term wisdom. Right? The prodigal son who demanded that his father give him his full inheritance before his father had died, right? Give me all the money you're going to give me when you die and give it to me now. And the father inexplicably did. When the prodigal son walked away from home that day, he felt like the king of the world. He felt like the wisest man on the face of the earth. And he partied. And everybody around him reinforced, man, you are the wisest man on the face of the earth. You are the biggest party. You are so much fun. We love you. We affirm you. And during that season, he thought he was the best thing. See, it's all a matter of perspective, you guys. It's all a matter of perspective. A fool never sees beyond the end of their nose. They can never get beyond Google Street, Street View. You know what I'm saying? Like Google Street View, all you can see is right here, what's right in front of you. Wisdom calls us to get a a bit of a separated view from ourselves, to not just see ourselves from inside ourselves, but get an outside view, right? I can get 10 feet up. And from 10 feet up, I can see myself, but I can also see 10 feet in front of me. And I know that when I make this decision, there are going to be consequences and there are going to be things that come from that decision. It's going to take me in a direction. And I can look 10 feet forward and say, is that the direction I really want to go, right? And the challenge with wisdom is that it's trying to pull us all the way up to the Google image view of the satellite where where we've got a 30,000 foot view, right? We're looking at this thing and we can see not only, yeah, in the next when I make this decision, it not only takes me here, but here and here and here. It gives me a much longer range vision so that I can see beyond the end of my nose, whether or not it just feels pleasant in the moment, but actually takes me in the direction of a life that is marked by blessing. The fool stays in the Google Street view and wisdom pushes us out to the biggest picture. The prodigal, you guys, it wasn't until he found himself in the field feeding pigs and actually eating their slop that he gained a greater perspective that allowed him to recognize that he wasn't as wise as he thought he was. Isn't that how most of us learn? Isn't that true? You ever made really bad decisions? Yes, right? Are you in the broken human club? You are. I am too, right? This is how most of us get wisdom. Most of us get wisdom by making really, really bad decisions, and it hurts so much that we decide not to make those same decisions again right? Or at least not the same exact order, (laughs) right? A fool makes a really bad decision, finds ways of blaming everybody around them, and they end up making the same exact decision again in a different context, in a different place, and then they find all new people to blame, right? But for us that are growing in wisdom, which hopefully all of us as Christ followers are making the trek into wisdom, we often learn a lot from our suffering. Our bad decisions show us our, 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 the consequences, right? And we learn that way. But here's the beauty of it, you guys. Wise people not only learn from their experience, they learn from the experience of others. Wise people can say, I'm watching you make decisions, or I can read about people that went before me who made decisions, and I see how those decisions turned out. And, and I can see whether it took them closer to the life of blessing or the life that, that is absent of blessing. And I want to take the path that leads to a life of blessing. And so a wise person can be instructed by the stories of others. A wise person can be instructed by, by the advice of people who have gone before, who have, who have saturated themselves with the Word of God. 
Wise people can come to a book of Proverbs and find in it a wealth of, of experiential learning without having to go through the experience. Things are going to help us grow in knowledge and insight, prudence and discretion that ultimately will help us to move into a life uh, where we make decisions, right, that move us toward life. And the only way this works is if we recognize that we're the simple becoming wise, that we absolutely desperately need wise input. We need, we need God and we need community and we need wisdom to, to work on us and shape us and challenge us and, and lead us to make decisions that sometimes don't feel comfortable and to lead us in directions that sometimes don't feel intuitive, but it's because we're fools. And if we just follow our own nose, man, we're going to end up in self-destruction and we know that. So we're humble enough to say, please challenge me. Please redirect me. Please show me. And as we humble ourselves and follow, we grow in sensitivity. We grow in knowledge and insight, prudence, and discretion. The simple can learn. Here's the thing. I've never met a wise person who didn't think of themselves as simple. Every wise person I know, when you really ask them, man, you're so wise, they're going to be like, man, I'm wise enough to know how much I don't know. Every wise person I know has a deep sense of how little wisdom they have. Because they don't take the seat of the wise person, they take the seat of the simple because they know they have to keep growing. Every fool I've met is just the opposite. They take the seat of the wise, they're absolutely convinced. They've got, they've got the answers, they've got the insight, they've got the perspective, they've got what everyone else needs, they've got the voice everyone else should call to and listen to. We need to be humble, you guys. It's the fundamental difference between a fool and a wise person. So there's one final warning for us in, in verse 7. Um, and this verse doesn't seem to flow naturally with the preceding verses, kind of jars you a little bit out. Um, and usually when that happens, that makes me pay attention because I know that Solomon knew that when he put it there. So it's like, okay, you know, this isn't just random. Um, he, he actually put this here. So when we read verse seven, it's no longer about how you're going to read the Proverbs to be wise. He begins with wisdom itself, right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and fools despise wisdom and instruction. You guys, there are powerful principles in this book that we're going to unpack. Principles that deal with, with um, your work ethic and how you work and, and, and how you deal with unjust bosses and how you handle your tongue and the things that you should say and shouldn't say and how you, you relate to in your marriage and, and your, your in-laws, authority structures, um, how, how you, you know, it's, it's just ton, tons of, of wise stuff here. I'm going to tell you something that, that these principles work whether you believe in God or not, these principles work, right? There are physical laws in the universe and there are spiritual and, and moral laws in the universe, right? The physical laws we learn um, just by going through life, right? First time you find a hill and you're like, that looks fun. And you go down it on a bike or, 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 or you know, a go-kart or in my case, like a skateboard, right? And it's like, the faster you go, you're like, this is nice. Things in motion tend to stay in motion, right? It is a physical law of the universe that brings me joy, right? And, and, and the faster you go, it's, it's awesome. And then you hit a pebble and your skateboard stops and you're flying and you're like, things in motion tend to stay in motion. And it's pretty awesome, right? Because that experience of, man, it's like that country song, right? Falling feels like flying for a little while, right? And, 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 and that's what you're flying through the air. And you're like, this is awesome. I didn't know I could fly. This is an incredible feeling, right? 
And then you hit the ground and you learn a very important physical law. Pain hurts, right? And God gave us pain as a gift to keep us from doing stupid things that will destroy our bodies, right? Otherwise, I will just go to higher and higher and higher things and jump, right? And I'll be like this lemming leaping off a cliff. Look at me and I'll die, right? If it doesn't hurt. So God gave me the gift of pain. It's a physical law, right? When I push too far, when I do things that are, that are wrong for my body, things hurt. And that keeps me from pu- going too far. It pulls me back. It's a protection. These are physical laws of the universe. We all learn them from the moment we start taking our first steps, from the moments we start working in this world, we learn, right? Gravity and, and, and speed and all these things. There are spiritual and moral laws in the universe as well. And some of you, your parents ingrained those in you and you will be blessed by them if you follow them, right? People who work hard will be blessed. They find more success, right? Why? Because opportunity often comes clothed in overalls, right? Oh, I wish I had an opportunity. Yeah, work harder, dude. It'll come. In fact, you just missed it. There it went. (laughs) While you're sitting over here griping and drinking your latte, it just went by, you know? And so hard work, right? When When we work hard, um, we're going to be blessed, right? People who work hard, people have a good work ethic. Isn't that what we call it? Isn't that a weird? Good work ethic, good Protestant work ethic. They, they, they do better, right? People who are generally honest do better in their business dealings. Maybe not in the short term, but in the long term, right? In the short term, people who lie seem like they really do well, but, but all you got to do is watch long enough, right? The junk bonds always crash. The pyramid schemes always collapse, right? There, there are moral and, and, and ethical laws that God wired into the universe. And when you act in accordance with them, you'll be blessed. Like, like if you get married and you devote yourself to your spouse and you're like, I will know you and I will work through the hard things and we will work on communication and, and, and we will treasure intimacy, right? Even if you're not a believer, you can build a good, fulfilling relationship. You can be a good father. You can be a good husband. You can be a good businessman. You can be a good member of community. This is what you need to hear. There's a way of succeeding that is still failure. Because if you get out to the biggest view, being a good parent or a good company leader or a good entrepreneur or a good artist or whatever it is that floats your boat, whatever's driving you, at the end of the day, that's not what's most important. A hundred years from now, it's not going to matter how much money you made how successful your business was, how much your kids loved you and thought you were a great parent, those things aren't going to matter 100 years from now. It will in their lives because there will be ripple effects from the choices you made. But 100 years from now, you're going to be standing in the presence of God. And the fundamental only question that's going to be in front of you is not, hey, were you a good husband? It's, hey, were you a good creature (laughs) created in my image to glorify me and to love me and to follow me? That's why Solomon says in verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You haven't taken the first step toward wisdom until you recognize that the first step toward wisdom is humility toward God. Right? The fear of the Lord here is not terrified fear that he's going to judge me and crush me. It is awe of the creature in the presence of his creator. It is respect. It is worship. It is praise. It is recognizing that God made you and you are accountable to God. Genuine wisdom begins with your relationship with God. You haven't made the first step toward wisdom. You can put all these other things in place. You guys, it's that Google image view, right? You get out far enough. Somebody can have a very, very successful life and still be an absolute failure. Because when they stand before God, 
and they come and they present the pride of their accomplishments and the works of their hands, and God says to them, it doesn't measure up because you weren't perfect. That's failure. See, the beauty is God knew we were failures, and in His wisdom, He humbled Himself and sent His Son to die for us, to live the life we should have lived and die the death we deserve to die, and then He invites us in in humility to respond to that wisdom and say, I trust in Christ. I rest in his performance on my behalf, not my performance for God's. And then the work of of the kingdom is moving more deeply into that faith. The work of the kingdom, the work of genuine growing in wisdom is is growing in in knowing how that faith influences every aspect of my life. To move into the freedom of, of being who God created me to be, being loved by God and loving others in the love of God free to use my talents and my creativity and my productivity for God's glory and my good instead of looking to those things to be my God and anchor my identity. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. All true wisdom begins with the soul's movement and humility toward its creator and allowing its creator to redeem it and restore it. It means us responding to the love of God. That's what it means saying to God, you've loved me and I love you in return. So as we move into this book, you guys, it's an invitation into the path of wisdom. It's an invitation into growing in the principles that allow us to move toward a life of of purpose and and blessing. Um, And at the heart of it, you guys, I want you to catch this and I don't want us to lose sight of it. At the heart of it, what that means is moving more and more deeply into our relationship with God, being loved by God and moving out of that into love in our work and our families, into our work ethics, into the way we use our tongues and the way we relate to people, all of it, right? So we're going to unpack some very, very powerful principles that I trust are going to help us and lead us and give us wisdom. Um, But let's not lose sight of the fundamental, that this whole path begins with the first step of humility toward our creator saying to God, you loved me and I love you in return. Thank you for giving me Jesus. All right, I'm going to put some uh, response questions on the screen to lead us in a time of worship response. Before I do that, I want to remind you that we have worship response cards in your bulletin. Uh, please fill that out. Let us know you were here. Um, if you have prayer requests, write them on there. We will pray with you and for you. If you want to meet somebody for a cup of coffee, if you want to have some questions, just learn more about the church or, or whatever, put it on there. We would love, one of our leaders would love to sit down and, and meet with you and, and spend time with you. Um, and just let us know you were here. If you're a guest with us, we would love to know. Um, so let's go ahead and take a look at those response, response questions. Um, let's go ahead and put those up there. Do you see yourself as simple needing to grow in wisdom? I mean, that's just a real simple question, but it's a hard one to grapple with, isn't it? Uh, do you really see yourself as simple? somebody who desperately needs wisdom that you don't have, somebody who desperately needs God um, to, to turn a light on because you know if you take a step in the darkness, you're just going to stub your toe and ultimately wreck your life, right? Do, do you, are, are you there? Are you there? Because what we're talking about is humility, the humility to recognize I don't have it all together, I don't have all the answers. I guess the reverse question is be where in your life do you feel like you don't need God? Where in your life do you feel like you got it all together? That you've got it? Because that's where you're a fool. Where is God pushing you to grow? Because God will continually push us toward wisdom, and that's a challenging thing for us because it means we have to change, right? God's going to show us things about ourselves that are foolish, that are wrong, and then he invites us to change those things, to reject the lies we believe and embrace the truth and to walk in life. Where is God pushing you to grow? 
Where right now is he working to show you areas of foolishness that he wants to free you from and, and move you into wisdom? And how are you resisting it or how are you embracing it? Right? Because it may be coming from a really unpleasant source. <laughs> you know, Fools say, I'll take wisdom as long, long as it comes from a source I like and respect. Well, that's a fool. Right? A wise person says, I will take God's instruction however he wants to give it to me. Even if it's from somebody I don't like or, or respect, if they're showing me something about myself that needs to change for me to move into wisdom, that's a gift from God, right? Humility allows us to receive. So where is God pushing on you to grow? How's it coming to you right now? And, and are you embracing it or are you resisting it? And who has, given you, um, who has he given you to help you increase in knowledge, insight, discretion, and prudence? We can't do this on our own. This is a community thing, you guys. We, we can't grow in wisdom without people helping us grow in wisdom. And that's where the beauty of community once again comes in. So who's God placed in your life that's speaking truth to you, that's challenging you, right? We're going to look at this proverb. The rebuke of a friend gives life. The kisses of an enemy are deceitful, right? So who, they, they, may, not, like, they, they may not be the people that you love to spend time with all the time because maybe they're pushing on things you don't want pushed on, but they're your true friends. Who are the people that God has put into your life? They're actually provoking you to wisdom, to grow, to change, to, to become the people God has called us to be. All right, um, I'm going to create some space for us to just pray, do some business with God. So let me pray for us, um, and we will uh, take a little bit of time, and then we'll share communion in a moment. Let me pray. Father, I thank you that you are a God of humility. I mean, that is just mind-boggling, that you are the measure of all that is glorious. You are the measure of all that is right. You are wisdom. but you love us and you don't grow tired of us. You never shake your head and walk away from us. You are a humble, glorious God. And in your humility, you invite us into your wisdom. You pay the price of our foolishness. You pay the price of our sin and our rebellion. You, you absorb the pain that we might get the life. Father, break our hearts with that beauty that we might know you, not just about you, but know you, to have our hearts undone in love. And then help us to grow into a people who are wise. Our families need that. Our community needs that. Our culture needs that. We want to be people who are wise in grace and able to speak from that wisdom into the hurt and the pain and the confusion and the idiocy that surrounds us. You guys stay a few minutes and pray. We'll share communion in a moment.